First rule for those in mortal or habitual sin. This 45th episode starts a new mini-series within Our Lady's Shock Troops. Kevin Rorty turns us to the wisdom of St. Ignatius of Loyola and his spiritual exercises. These were revealed to St. Ignatius at Montserrat by the Holy Mother of God herself. She gave them as a wonderful tool for growth in the interior life and as an antidote to the attractive lures of the burgeoning Protestant heresy. Included in these exercises are 14 rules for the discernment of spirits. These are extremely practical because every person needs proficiency in this type of discernment. How else can we know God's will? And yet, it is very rarely being taught today. Praise be, Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, Content Director of the Fatima Center, joined by my friend Kevin Rorty of Soga, Souls of the Christian Apostolate. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, David. Good to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be back as we continue this series, which we have titled Our Ladies Shock Troops. Basically, our goal here is to help us develop the interior life. It's certainly very important because a lot of times we don't hear talks on the interior life. So we have been progressing from various theme to theme, given various questions we received. We thought it would be a very good idea to tackle the rules for discernment that St. Ignatius of Loyola wrote. So we're going to start kind of a little new mini-series within Our Lady Shock Troops today on those rules for discerning. So always we'll begin with prayer, and since we're reading or studying St. Ignatius's works, we take a prayer of his. It's called the Sushipe in Latin, but we'll pray it in English and put the text up on the screen for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Take, O Lord, and receive my entire liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my whole will. All that I am and all that I possess, thou hast given me. I surrender it all to thee, to be disposed of according to thy will. Give me only thy love and thy grace. With these I will be rich enough and desire nothing more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. It's obviously a good prayer before you, you know, begin any activity or any work, and certainly here with these rules for discernment. Before we even get into the first rule, Kevin, if you could just maybe briefly describe for us what, why someone wants to know about these rules, when someone might encounter them, how are they useful? Yeah, so I would put it in the context first of everything we've been talking about, which is that our end in mind is the beatific vision, you know, God's glory for all of eternity and us participating in that, seeing him face to face for all of eternity and preparing ourselves for that through the interior life, essentially investing in the capital of sanctifying grace in our souls, where we say, okay, Lord, I know you're inside of me. You dwell in me and I dwell in you and I'm going to communicate with you and I'm going to unify myself to you. In that process, a lot of times we have questions about what is God's will? What does it really mean to become holy? How do I know that I'm actually progressing in holiness? How do I make decisions according to God's will? These are really important questions that are very practical that you can't just get from reading a book. I think a lot of people, at least my inclination to begin with, if I just read and learn enough about what 
mysticism is. I'm just going to be really holy. And that's not the case. There's people who are not the most read by any means who are much holier than some people that are great academics. The discernment of spirits helps us to navigate the interior life to be able to sense what is God's will. You know, sometimes you might wonder what vice should I be trying to root out? Is this a sin or is this not a sin? You know, in, in little ways, obviously there's more moral sins that are more clear, but certain things, you know, matters of prudence and how you should, you know, make decisions in your duties of life with your family or with your vocation, most critically. There's a lot of different decisions we have to make. We make so many decisions every single day. And this helps us to take the principles that we learn about the spiritual life, about what God's will is, about morals, and actually live them out in a way that is spiritually fruitful. You know, and we can tell that we're actually making progress rather than stagnation or frustration and wasting our time. Because I can say I've, I've done that myself. I've wasted a lot of time because I didn't properly, I didn't make the attempt to discern spirits and God's will well enough with certain decisions in life or especially in certain aspects of the spiritual life. Earlier on when, you know, you might just be really determined, I'm just going to white knuckle it, you know, and, and you end up not progressing or meriting as much as you could have. And so that's those are some considerations as to why discernment. Of course, you could add the practical considerations like I want to have more peace in my life and I want to, you know, be able to serve my family better or discover my vocation. Uh, there's a lot of other practical reasons, but from the context of the spiritual life, it helps you navigate and figure out God's will as you progress and uh, live out this spiritual life. Sounds good. Thanks. I guess I would just add also that very specifically, I think it's appropriate to call it discernment of spirits. Because when we speak of the spirits, we obviously know that there is that spiritual world that God created, right? We as humans have a spirit, but also a body. But there are those with an angelic nature that are pure spirit, the good angels Mm. and the bad angels, right? Or the devils. And because they're both spiritual beings, they both can, if you will, influence us, inspire us, give us ideas. And so I think St. Ignatius is definitely very concerned with the concept of, and all of us should be very concerned with the concept of, well, I got this idea or this you know, notion. I think this is what I'm supposed to do, like you're saying, what I should do. But am I being inspired by the good spirit, like my guardian angel, or is it an evil spirit that is inspiring me, you know, even masquerading as something good because we know that the devil will present himself as an angel of light. So that discernment is also very important. I've certainly encountered this all my life. As you say, Kevin, I mean, each person has to do their own discernment, but also just in discussing things with people, they have so many questions, I think. And a lot of those questions, (laughs) even many of the questions we receive at the Fatima Center that come our way, I often think to myself, wow, you know, if a person understood these discernment of spirits, they could probably go through the process and get good answers yeah. um, for themselves. Instead of just trying to turn to someone and get an answer, you know, you you grapple with it and you know, and then you have confidence in that. So there's a lot of people, I think, who go around thinking that, oh, this is what, I mean, this is maybe appropriate right now because we're recording this in October, right in the middle of the Synod on Synodality that's uh, taking place in Rome, wrecking a lot of havoc, of course. And if anyone's watched a little bit of the media, there's a lot of talk about how the Spirit guides these things, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is guiding this or that. 
it can happen at, you know, the personal level. Maybe you've talked to someone who says, oh, the Holy Ghost told me to do X, Y, Z. You might kind of raise your eyebrow and go, really? The Holy Ghost told you X, Y, Z? Like, how'd you figure that out? And certainly I have a lot of eyebrow raising with things going on at the Synod with uh, all the talk that, oh, this is guided by the Holy Ghost uh, because there's certain rules. And I think if these rules were applied, just the first rule, which let's get to today, if you just had the first rule, you might be able to see a lot of clarity with regard to the synod and yeah. whether or not it's being inspired by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirits, the guardian angel spirits, or the diabolical spirits. I think that's also real important for that reason. Yeah, I think it's really, yeah, to, to be able to say that there are different spirits, the good and the evil. And I would say one last thing is I was having a conversation with some people the other day, and there's... Even from a moral standpoint, we as Catholics often feel conflicted insofar as there's the side of things where we think we're not a quote-unquote works-based religion in the sense that we can earn our salvation. You know, that is given. But on the other hand, we're not a, a religion where we believe it doesn't matter what you do. On the contrary, we can merit in our actions because we've first been given sanctifying grace that gives us salvation, but that can grow and blossom. And that happens through our cooperation with God's grace in, in how we act and in our growth and charity. And so what I think can help from a psychological standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, is understanding that, yeah, I'm not the one who initiates everything, but at the same time, I have to cooperate. And what do we cooperate with? God's will, his calling, so to speak, in what we're doing. And I think the way that we... We need to see the faith in, from that lens as much as possible, a calling. And I think discernment of spirits really can help with that because if you go in, you're like, I don't know what to do. And then you you really get a sense of, okay, this is really what God's calling me to do or how to act in this or that situation. Then you have a choice to make because then it's like, okay, do I, do I say yes or not? It makes the faith real in that way. And if you want to have a sense of the faith really being something alive, this is a critical component to that. So and that ties in with everything I think we've covered before. Yeah, and I would lastly just say that as we discuss these rules, I think it's so important to use that tool, the examination of conscience, because you'll really be able to to follow these rules does require some effort and some thinking. These aren't like just, you know, like simple things that you just kind of push a few buttons and it all kind of comes out. Like it's not automated is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Automatic processes. No, I said, it's always funny. I go to like to the grocery store or wherever and they only know how to push certain buttons and do what the thing says. And if there's something that goes wrong or the buttons don't work, they suddenly don't have any idea what to do, right? That makes it a little more, you require a little more thinking. So I see the rules that way. In fact, just when we start off with the first rule and the second rule, St. Ignatius is going to tell us that uh, the first rule applies more to those who are living in the state of sin. Whereas the second rule is going to apply more for how to discern these spirits when you're actually trying to progress in holiness from virtue to virtue. Yeah. So, you know, right there, a person has to be able to be honest with themselves and sort of really look at themselves with this examination of conscience to identify what category I'm falling into. Because obviously, if someone's in a state of mortal sin, very often they might not really even realize the extent of their sin or better said. Be willing to admit the gravity of their sin. Totally. And then their discernment's all off. So you do need that good examination of conscience. And obviously, you have to be very honest with yourself. So with that said, it's a good preamble. Can we jump into the first rule? Let's do it. But first, a quick break for a very important Fatima message. 
Our Lady of Fatima has brought us a great message of hope. In fact, it's the only solution to get us out of the crisis we live in today. An easy way to remember Our Lady's message of Fatima is with the acronym Roman Catholic SOS. R stands for Rosary, pray it daily. C for Consecration, consecrate yourself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and pray for Russia's proper consecration. S for the brown scapular, wearing it faithfully. O offer prayer and penance for the Pope and for the many souls otherwise falling into hell. S for the first Saturday devotion. Practice this every month and offer reparation for sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Again, that's RCSOS, Roman Catholic SOS. Our Lady of the Rosary, pray for us. So the first rule is, in the case of those who go from one mortal sin to another, the enemy is ordinarily accustomed to propose apparent pleasures. He fills their imagination with sensual delights and gratifications, though more readily to keep them in their vices and increase the number of their sins. With such persons, the good spirit uses a method which is the reverse of the above, making use of the light of reason. He will rouse the sting of conscience and fill them with remorse. So that's what St. Ignatius tells us. Yeah. So uh, I would say where we start is, like you were just saying, David, that we are talking about someone who is living habitually in mortal sin. And that would be probably, I mean, not that we know that people, from a material standpoint, 90 Five, 99% of the world today, this is the normal way of living, right? This has been normalized. We're not in a society or a world where like people are aware, like, they're so blinded. And so I think one big thing to note about that is that when you're someone who's living in the state of mortal sin, oftentimes their conscience becomes numbed. What they consider peace is pleasure because that's what's peaceable to the flesh. And now it could also be pleasure to pride or vanity. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it just right here with this rule, it's largely because, like you're saying, their pleasure is peaceful for them because what the good angel is doing is he's stinging their conscience, right? And that, that kind of hurts you. You're like, ouch, I don't, like, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. And if you don't have to think about that conscience being stung, then you're like, a, quote, unquote, at peace. So that, yeah, that's really you, why. Because they're not listening to the guardian angel and they, they want to be at peace. You know what I mean? I think just a classic example of this right now that we all see so much is this whole push that you're seeing, uh, because we probably all know people who are trying to live these alternative gender lifestyles. And I think there's such a big push for them to get everyone to accept it because their conscience keeps stinging them. Totally. It's just one person in their life who's speaking the truth to them. You know, maybe it's their brother. Maybe it's their mother. Maybe it's just their friend. And they keep saying, no, I will stand in the truth. I won't accept this because this is not right. Just that one person, even though they're hanging out with a hundred other people who are telling them that you're fine and it's okay, that one person is acting like the good angel, stinging their conscience, and they are trying to deaden that. And that is why there is this big movement within our society right now to squash all of that. We could really say it's a 
radically militant effort being pushed to promote abortion, sodomy, trans ideology, and the like. And you see it as well inside the church. A militant effort to destroy the Latin Mass, authentic church doctrine, anything resembling what Catholicism really is. So both in the secular world and in the church, those who favor what is contrary to God. They really want to squash the voice of any conscience from anyone. You know, why they try to push laws and lobbies and things like that. So that's kind of on a more macro scale what's happening in our world. But for the individual, for any sin, that's kind of also what's going on. You're trying to quell that sting. And the good angel and someone who's acting in the role of the good angel, you know, a friend, is going to keep stinging you. Yeah, totally. And I think one way to look at it is, you know, when you eat a lot of junk food, you're more attracted to junk food. Whereas if you eat a really healthy lifestyle, then you're less drawn to yeah. junk food, you know? And I've heard it said that it's a mercy of God that you become more numb to mortal sin because it means in a certain way you're less culpable, even though you still are committing grave sin. Now, I think another way to look at this is that your soul is very misaligned. You know you're supposed to be acting in a certain way, and that's in alignment with God, and you're like this. And so there's that conflict that, yeah, that's that's the conscience that's pricking at the soul. And St. Teresa would describe this as, you know, if the soul is like a castle and there's a moat, you're like in the moat where there's all the alligators and reptiles and all, and you're just getting bit and bit and killed over and over and over kind of thing. And so one really critical component to understanding, you know, how does this fit in with everything? Well, even if you're not someone who's living in a habitual mortal sin, this frame of mind where if you are in a worldly environment and you're starting to take on a very worldly way of thinking or you're severely tempted in mortal sin, this rule can sort of apply that, okay, that's the time to listen to your conscience that's pricking you if you're in a serious occasion of sin to get out of that occasion and to rectify yourself with God. There are saints that were tempted against the 69th commandment, for example, that they would real in that, in that time, St. Teresa says that that's the time where, yeah, you don't, you don't think about hell all the time throughout all the stages of the spiritual life. You know, there's other things that you're considering and hell it's like a part of a healthy diet. You know, you have a little bit of this, a little bit of that all over the place. Because in those moments, that's when it's most critical to think about hell. Um, that like there is a heaven, there's a hell, there's an eternity. This moment, you're getting sucked into this moment to make this moment God, to make this pleasure God, to make that building up of your own ego and pride God. It's a critical to remember that does not last. And so for you or for someone else, in that state, considering their final end is a really key component to waking up, so to speak, yeah. to the reality that this is destroying their soul. They're totally offending God and just totally abandoning charity uh, as a whole and giving themselves over to evil, wicked spirits. So those are some thoughts on this first rule. Yeah, right. No, I was going to add just to that. The spiritual writers do say that even though St. Ignatius started talking about those going from sin to mortal sin, anyone who is well entrenched in lukewarmness, 
and apathy or tepidity in the spiritual life. Basically, anyone who sort of has decided that they are not going to try to correct their venial sins. You know, if you're conscious of that, you're like, hey, I know I've got these venial sins and I'm only human. And so yeah, I'm go with this. Yeah. Then now you're going to find yourself in this first rule. And that's why I say it has, you have to be so honest with yourself in, you know, being able to evaluate spiritually where you're at. So that's a huge step because as St. Ignatius is saying, right? If you're in a state of mortal sin, then when an idea comes to your mind, whatever, your friend says, hey, let's go here. Let's go to this place or let's go do that. These are the things you're thinking of. Well, if it's sinful, then the devil is going to push you and be like, oh, that's going to be fun. Oh, it's not going to be a big deal. Oh, everybody's doing it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a little thing. You know, God won't mind these little things. It's okay. You know, if you're a little bit more of a Catholic, he might tell you things like, you can go to confession later, you know, and enjoy this. It's not that big a deal. So those are all the things. So basically he's making the path that much easier for you to slide deeper. Whereas the angel, the good angel is, is telling you all the opposites. Like, no, you can't do that. Just like what you were saying, Kevin, right? Think about your final end. And that makes us uncomfortable. So when you're in that state of either habitual mortal sin or even just habitual venial sin that you don't want to correct, the devil and the angel are acting very, very differently. But you have to know what state you're in if you really want to identify and get out of this. And then the rules become very clear. You obviously have to know the faith. You've got to know what is objectively wrong, what is sinful. So you're going with the basic rules of the church, of natural law, of God's commandments to get this. And that's that's the basic discernment here at this first level, at this first step. Yeah, and I think along with the final end is also just recognize that there are consequences to actions. You know, in our society, we make it feel so much like... Your, your private sin is your private sin and there's no consequences. I mean, man, I'll tell you the sins, especially of young people, I've seen it again and again, of like the sins of the flesh. That's not something that you just walk away from. That's so common today. And it, it impacts, you know, young men, the impacts them a ton. It impacts young women. It impacts their future marriages. It impacts their dating prospects. It impacts so much. So thinking about the consequences practically as well, you know, having people think of it there, you know, if they're like, you know, I've, I've heard of people where it's like, okay, I've, I've been raised Catholic all my life, but I got to go experiment with the world. That doesn't bring peace. It just tears you up and it tears other. I mean, it, it's, it's so wicked. And that's what we have to understand that this isn't that that spirit is actually wicked. It's like, it's so evil. And the fact that it's so subtle just makes it even more evil and conniving. That is the reenactment of the Garden of Eden. Like all of this is because of the fall. It's really a heroic struggle that we're in. And it takes waking up to that in order to overcome and properly see things as they are. But the short of it is, if you're not living in a great state, don't trust yourself. Don't trust your senses don't trust your your judgment on like what's good for your soul what's good in serving god you know you need to really reinstill a sense of fear about what actually matters from an eternal standpoint right and i'll highlight this one sentence too that saint ignatius wrote we talking about the good angel making use of the light of reason 
he'll rouse a sting of conscience and he'll fill them with remorse. Yeah. So those are the other things that the good angel is doing. He's, he's putting remorse, right? That's, I think, what you were getting at, Kevin, talking about thinking about the final end, thinking about the consequences. There's remorse with that. And very importantly, he's using rational reproaches. So, yes, the angel is reproaching us, but rational, the light yes. of reason, which is what the devil does not want to do. He doesn't want you using your reason. Totally. Um, so there's a real big difference that you sort of have to follow that follow that light. Remember, the devil was using the delights, the pleasures, kind of fake little arguments of everybody's doing it. Don't yeah, worry that's... about it. None of that is really reasonable. If you carry it out to its logical conclusion. Yeah. And that's why I think sometimes it does help or not just help. It's almost necessary, absolutely necessary for you to sort of step back in this discernment and take a little bit of time to think, to actually let your reason click in. Because a lot of times we're a little slower with our reason than we are with our feelings, right? What feels yeah. good. So the angel will be using, again, the light of reason, stinging your conscience, giving you these rational, intelligible arguments that make sense, reproaches. Yeah. And I think we could think of, you know, what are some instances like, let's say someone's in business and they have an opportunity to totally deprive someone of what they're due, but no one will know and they'll make a ton of money because of it. You know, it's essentially stealing or someone that could go and cheat on their spouse because they're traveling or something like that. And no one would know. There's a lot of scenarios you could run through. But in all those cases, that's what it's going to be like. Oh, in the moment, oh, this is like, this sounds fun. Everyone's kind of doing it, you know, whatever. Or it's a great opportunity. I'll use it for good later on. But that's the thing. Logically, we are going to die. And that's what no one in our society thinks about. Like when you ever hear people, maybe they say, yeah, you're going to die. So live it up in the moment. That's not logical. Like what, what good is there? I mean, literally it all is going to disappear. It goes like that. I mean, all those times in your life when you've been surrounded by all these pleasures, that is not logical to give yourself entirely to these things that they, they do not last. The building up of your own ego and all that, it doesn't last. And so the logical step is then, okay, yeah, but then what? Okay, then I'm going to have to own up to this in confession, and then I'm going to have to talk to my spouse, and then she's going to find out, or I'm going to have to go and confess this, and I'm going to have to go and pay this all back, and then my career is going to be ruined, and then I have eternity to face if I don't do that. Like, okay, th those are the logical conclusions of these things, if you just think. But someone, let's say, you know, it's going to go, like, young people go to raves or whatever, and it's just like, it is oriented to getting you to not be rational. You not yeah. it's, it's literally trying to make you like an animal. Yeah. And so while having a, a merry time and all is a good thing, the excess of trying to just deprive yourself of your own reason, that's a serious sign of like this opening me up to a bunch of really bad spirits. And that's what our society says is like normal is par for course. So be very on guard, especially when you, when you start justifying. And it's, I'll tell you, for the younger generation, you know, when it comes to just all of the influences, uh, it really takes some serious intent to discern the spirits because you can easily just blot these things out. You can just numb your conscience. I'm not going to think about it. But if you make that intention, that's why the time in meditation every day is so critical because it's the time where you it's the most logical thing you can do because you're orienting yourself to eternity, you know, to God and eternity. You're thinking, and then what are you going to do from there? Okay, you're not going to have logical conclusions from there of, okay, how should my life be oriented in this way? And so coming back to everything we've talked about, if you just come into that time, you know, you might be on the brink of damnation, St. Teresa says, but if you spend those 15 minutes 
and meditation, God will bring you back to the safe haven of salvation. Yeah, anytime you're going to check your reason at the door, that's a bad sign. So don't do not do it. Last point I had, Kevin, sort of a practical thing for us to remember. We've been talking about the good spirit and the bad spirit here. And yes, those are certainly influencing us. But realize we also influence each other. And so I think something that for each one of us to take to our examination of conscience is to ask ourselves, but am I acting the way the good spirit acts or the bad spirit acts towards, let's say, my friends? Mm-hmm. Um, because these same arguments that the good spirit and the bad spirit are kind of speaking into our mind, you know, that classic little picture with the devil here on the side, the left side and a little angel on the right side. We act that way also. And this is where I think we fail often. And maybe in another show, we'll review the nine ways that we can participate in the sin of another. But I see that at play a lot because I think a lot of times there's a person who comes to us for advice or maybe they're not even doing advice. Maybe they're just telling us what they're up to. And we think to ourselves, oh, you know, we got to handle them with like kid gloves. Oh, you know, I got to like ease in with them or I'll tell them, yeah, it's okay what you're doing. And we're not real clear. We can very much be acting like the bad spirit and also helping easing them into it feeding the numbing of the conscience right we're easing them into that sin instead of being let's say clear and blunt we really want to get some don't beat around the bush tell them the truth you know give them real things like this is eternity there are consequences don't be short-sighted look to the long view of things but we've really got to again when a person is in mortal sin yes we must sting their conscience we have to use the light of reason with charity of course but you do have to give them those rational reproaches. I mean, that is what the good angels are doing. That's what we got to do. And so often uh, when people that we care about are close to us, maybe in our family, yeah. for example, friends, we see them in that mortal sin. And we're like, I, I just can't tell them anything. Or I, I, I just go along with it or I'll, I'll play footsies with this thing. I'll be nice. Yeah. Um, that's the role that the bad devil takes. And how often, because yeah. when you do that too, you might be now participating in their sin also. I mean, depending on what you've done, but that's why we'd have to go over those nine ways, but just strive not to. And that's where your examination of conscience is important. You know, review the various interactions you had with individuals. Did you serve the role of the good spirit or the bad spirit in their life? You know, if this person, let's say, was in uh, mortal sin or spiritual tepidity, you know, willfully choosing venial sins and not wanting to get out of it. Did you feed that or did you try to prick their conscience? Absolutely. I think, yeah, you could think of someone who's about to get an abortion, for example. I mean, that's such a, I mean, we're doing that when mortal sin is mortal sin, you know? And so anytime we're doing mortal sin, we don't, we have to not realize the gravity of that accompaniment, so to speak. But, um, yes, thank you for bringing up that word. I didn't, I I literally, (laughs) you didn't do that on purpose. I can tell that just rolled right out. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly what's happening. But, yeah, I mean, it's like... Opening these people on mortal sin instead of pricking their conscience. And so you know that that is not the Holy Spirit. That's not the good spirit. That is the evil spirit. It has nothing to do with God. What is so important when we... We have to understand true charity from a logical standpoint. You want people to go to heaven. You want people to serve God. You want them to have ultimate peace in their conscience. You want them to love God and serve him. You want them to be happy ultimately in that way. And there are logical steps to get there. Charity isn't just a feeling towards someone and having a mutual shared feeling of niceness. You know, like that's how people see it. It's really sad. And we're tempted to it. I mean, we're all tempted to it. But that's not 
when we we've got to do the same thing like you're saying for ourselves we've got to do that in terms of how we interact with others do we logically think the way i'm interacting actually helping lead to this other person's eternal salvation their eternal good their spiritual good their moral good or is it just promoting good feelings so that is the first rule and the first rule will definitely get you very far i encourage you again maybe go back review this in the show more notes as well so you'll get those if you, if you want to get these rules and next time kevin we'll go ahead and cover the second rule close with the glory be yeah in the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima. Pray for us. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Have a good couple of weeks. We'll see you soon. Thanks, David. God bless everyone. Our Ladies Shock Troops is brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. The message of Fatima is the solution for our time. Only she can help us now. It is urgent that we live according to Our Lady's message and share it with everyone we know. For more resources and to support this vital apostolate with your donation, visit our website Fatima.org or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the glory of God and salvation of souls. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us.